I like to eat steaks and have sex to make weight. This is Tall Can Audio. <laughs> Off we go on an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. Thank you so much for checking out this episode. Uh, my name is Matt Robinson, alongside our buddy Steve Bunda today. What's going on, man? Oh, Matty, not bad. I'm not bad at home. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good today. Uh, I'm, I'm at my house just having some fun, getting ready for a nice pod with you, bud. What's up with you? Well, this is it, right? This is uh, We're doing this one remotely again because... Uh, I'm still at the lake, but this is the end of the lakeside sessions, right? I guess it's tomorrow. It's yeah. back to the city for, for now. Though, for right? now. Oh yeah. No, we'll sneak away <laughs> again for sure. But, uh, yeah, for, it's a bit of a bummer of a day. The sun is shining here and I'm just, all I can think about is tomorrow I got to get up and leave. Right. So, uh, I appreciate you jumping yeah. on remotely though. Uh, things are good on your end, man. What do we, uh, you, I know you got a beer. What are we sipping on today? Yeah, man, things are good with me, and I'm sipping on a special beer that I got Ooh. from our buddy Chris Stevenson. It's a big rig, old, uh, old number honey lager. Really, it's four point seven percent from the uh, a bit of Rito view in every beer. So it's from the hops. It's the number seventeen they have, and now uh, one of these was given to me by the guys at the TSN twelve hundred at the office, and they said CJ brought us some beers. So for the love of golf, we got uh, the old number honey lager. I got to have a chat with CJ here because he, he brought us some of that once uh, or talked about it once and then he never showed up with any for me. But you brought in some last summer. I don't know if you'll remember. I cracked into it and it exploded all over my shirt while we were sitting in the studio. Well, I remember that pod. Yeah, exactly. And uh, <laughs> now there's another one. So I'm going to have to I'm going to have to have words with CJ when he's making the rounds here and dropping these off that uh, he's got to stop forgetting oh. the TCA studio. It's a nice crisp lager too, with a nice hint of honey. I like that. That's nice. It's a refreshing beer. Nice. Uh, I got one. What here. do you got cracking over there? Yeah, this is sort of in the same area, man. Just uh, a straight up lager. Um, this one is from the Balderdash Brewing Company, which I'd never heard of, so I went and looked it up. Uh, it's in Vancouver, so not super local, um, but uh, you know, okay. one of those one of those grocery store grabs kind of thing like that. Uh, this West, is called, West Coast feel. That's it, man. And so this is a. It's called the Sneaky Weasel. I'm almost not certain. I want to know where the name comes from, but uh, <laughs> it's <laughs> going to say it's somewhere out west, apparently. Exactly, in, man. In I know Vancouver. they do things a little different out there. So um, that's what I'm going with here. Like I said, it's just a straight up 5.6% summer lager. Uh, looking forward to that on uh, on the last day at the lake here, man. Yeah. Um, sounds like a nice crisp one too, right? Yeah. That's uh that's what you need, but uh, you'll know, have a couple more hopefully because uh, just because it's the last night at the lake doesn't mean you got to be down the whole time, right, no, Maddie? You're it. still on the lake. That's, That's it. why you got the West Coast style on you, man. You're feeling the water right now. That's it, man. I think there's a little something to that, right? Just sitting lakeside, kind of like sitting uh, oceanside, whatever, right? So, uh, look, there's a few different things we can get into, man. I know we're going to talk some fights, uh, but. Let's start with a little CFL because I know you're uh, okay. you're working a lot of these Red Blacks games and the Magic finally wore off this weekend on Dustin Crum. Uh, it was a low scoring game. It was a game in the middle of what appeared to be a typhoon down at TD Place. Uh, I know you were there working the game. Maybe before we get into the results, man, what was it like being there for that kind of weather? We paused the game. The lightning was going crazy. A huge storm had already rolled through, dropping this huge hail on the city. What was it like down at the stadium on, uh, on what was it, Friday night, Saturday night? I don't even remember now. Yeah, it was uh, It was Friday night. Uh, it was interesting, man. It was, uh, it was crazy because uh, I didn't have my raincoat that day. 
uh, I, I left it at my cottage. <laughs> so I got to the stadium and I was like, oh man, like I don't have my raincoat. And as soon as I went down to the field for game time, right around seven, you know, right seven thirty, it started raining pretty good. So I was hiding in the tunnel and <laughs> I was like, okay, you know what? I'll wait till the game kicks off and then I'll come out of the tunnel and I'll watch the game. Like I don't suck it up and I'll just deal with getting a little bit wet. But then, uh, I ended up, uh, you know, as soon as it started raining pretty good, uh, one of the local photographers, great dude, Andre Ringette, freestyle photography, right? Real good dude. Uh, but he's, he's like, Hey man, I have a raincoat. Let me the raincoat. So nice. we run back in, I grab the raincoat, throw it on. We come outside, the game starts and then it's paused. So <laughs> we go back into the tunnel because of that. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a, a late night. It was kind of cool in a way. I, um, I don't know. It was, it added to the effect. I was, uh, I'm the sideline reporter for TSN 1200. Mm-hmm. I was down there, uh, you know, kind of right as it was raining in the first quarter and Devonte Williams, the running back for the red blacks. I'm looking at him. He's like, Oh, I love this weather. And he's like excited. He wanted the ball. He's like, I can't wait to like, I get and he's like super jacked up for it and then I look over and it's just like and they call the game and I just I saw the disappointment in his face he's like a little <laughs> kid that can't play man he was so upset but uh yeah it was just it was uh, a long it was a long pause but um you know in terms of the magic and everything that happened, I think we've seen the last couple of games, the offense has shown some good flashes, but mm-hmm. we're also starting to see some slow starts and some, some, uh, I, I don't want to say stumbles by Dustin Crum, but uh, you know, some growing, you know, growing pains and it's things he's got to learn about the league. And, uh, you know, it, it's going to be just, you know, picking up and learning and he's still very young and so talented. And I think he brings that it factor as you see, right. Every game, just because they're down, it's like, all right, two minutes left. We're still within scoring. They've looked really good. And he brings just an excitement when you're watching the game, Maddie. I don't know about you, but just watching some of the games, like it draws you in the way he plays the game. And it, it just kind of feels like it's exciting for the Ottawa Red Blacks fans to have that hype around a quarterback because it seems like we haven't had that since Henry Burris. Trevor Harris had some mild success, but yep. you know, there wasn't much. And, and I don't know for just you watching as a fan, how it's much more exciting this kind of makes you want to watch. It's yeah, I like the guy, right? And and the way he was illustrating those comebacks there in the last couple of weeks, mainly with his legs, right? Like the, he had a couple of drives where he was making some smart passes, clearly making some nice reads and marching down the field and getting it done. But a lot of it was happening on his legs, right? He would just run it in himself. And it scared me a little that it's only going to be a matter of time before really good defenses start to figure out that, yeah, we're not going to let you do that. We're going to force you to show up, like force you to respect your passing game. And I don't think we're quite there yet, right? Like that was a really low scoring game. And part of that is the weather, no doubt. But neither of those offenses were particularly effective on Friday night. And, you know, at the end, it was there again, as you said, still within reach. There was that final march in the fourth quarter. This time they came up a little bit short. But at some point, you got to stop putting yourself in that situation where you need the miracle comeback, right? No, and that, and that's exactly it. And like I said, we're seeing flashes. You, you bring up defenses, like it's true. You saw in Calgary how quickly they adjusted mm-hmm. to that. When you saw Dustin Crum with the ball and, and trying to run it, he was right there. And uh, like the linebacker was spying him the entire game. You saw it, but uh, one thing I loved about it, it showed me that Dustin Crum wasn't afraid and no. he's not going to back down from a challenge either. You saw that in the first miracle home win, you know, a couple of weeks ago against Winnipeg and, you know, where he's, you know, outrunning Willie Jefferson and then juking uh, Adam Big Hill, two of the best defenders yep. in the entire CFL. And then he just plows over a safety for the touchdown <laughs> with no time left on the clock at, with the fourth quarter. Like that takes some serious balls. Like this for guy sure, has that factor. So that's the thing. And it's like, okay, it's exciting to bring to the table, but but 
it's also like like you said, like I don't know, you need to start building on it. And he's learning. There's a lot to the game where it's wider fields, it's reading the field. The other thing too is the offensive line has uh, you know struggled a little bit recently protecting. See, him. is that surprising you? It, That's really surprised me when I look at the the people they have there and the changes they made over the off season. I've been. I don't know. I've been really surprised, really kind of disappointed at how often they're getting through and really hammering Dustin Crum. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a lot of things. I think that uh, you know the the team they're ex- expecting and trying to get back Dante. Well, Dante Bo get him into the lineup, the rookie that they took out of first uh, in the first round out of yeah. Fresno State. Uh, you know, he's coming back from a serious leg injury and he's been practicing a lot. And I know they're excited to try and get him in there. It's a matter of where, but it looks like the the right side of the line has been struggling a little bit. Uh, Zach Pelios, uh, you know, uh, he had a rough game over the weekend against Hamilton, but uh, you know. It, the offensive line has given up a lot of sacks yeah. over the last three weeks. It was strong the first couple of weeks, and they've uh, they've done a lot to you know protect the quarterbacks. But uh, I, I partly blame the offensive line, but a lot of it does go into Dustin Crum, and maybe he's holding on to the ball too long, and yeah, you know fair. he's not reading the he, you know maybe he's not reading the, you know the plays correctly or fast as he would like to because he's still young. Like sure. it's all it's all kind of like I said, growing pains. But it, you know he's got that talent, and he's got it's such a natural talent. But he has the leadership. You know, he's owned up even when he was asked, you know, after the game about, uh, you know, getting sacked and being hit by uh, Hamilton so many times that game. And he just talked about, you know, it's his fault. He didn't blame his offensive line. He, he says he needs to get rid of the ball more. He needs to stop, you know, taking too long and, you know, making decisions faster. So, you know, he knows what's going on and he he's a very much a, a strong learner. I, I've, I've liked what I've seen from him, just his attitude, even on the sidelines when he has a bad couple series, he still talks to the guys. He has like, he has fun on the sidelines. He doesn't let it get to him too hard i think that he has the right demeanor as a young quarterback and it's something that's really like i said exciting um but for fans i think they start they want to start being able to tune into the first quarter of a game and see some touchdowns and not as many lewis ward field goals because lewis (laughs) ward has been absolutely on fire only missing one field goal all season and just an honest dude just so fun and exciting to watch and see how it jacked up him and richie leone like you know good buddy richie like he's such a good dude the two of them together and you know they've had tanner doll here uh they as the long snapper but it's just like they have such chemistry and so so much excitement but it's like you just it's good for the special teams and you you hope it's going to pick up because you see the defense too like you said you know they only gave up 16 points that you know they're doing their job right right. they got five picks on Bo Levi you need to kind of march some you know you you need to score touchdowns and not as many field goals as much as we all love Lewis Ward he'll even tell you the same thing he'd rather you know go kick a single than have to (laughs) kick a three you know everybody knows that you need to score touchdowns in the CFL your defense picked off a quarterback sick you know five times you know you only gave up 16 points you that's a winnable game and it's it's tough because we've seen a couple of those this year but i i'm still very high on dustin crum in this offense you know you got to think of a lot of the injuries they're gonna you know shack shack evans was his first game he had a couple drops but it was for him getting back he was the best receiver during the preseason so i assume it'll take a game or two for him to get back into game mode but you know braylon addison the guy that they signed out of hamilton as well was an exciting receiver uh he's going to be due back maybe in the next couple of weeks as well like he's he he's someone that's going to open up the offense there's a lot 
and the one thing about the CFL, Maddie, it's a long season. Oh, that's true. Um, so, like I said, there are some injuries that they're going to get back, hopefully very soon, and you know some guys that they're expecting some big things from. So, I think the future is bright, and I think Dustin Crum is showing that. The one thing I think we all want to see is he needs to take less hits, Maddie. He's yep. taking some big wall ups. Well, this is it. You're already a down your fourth string quarterback, and they're letting him get hammered, right? Like, how deep you want to go yeah. in your depth chart? I, I, I guess well, the final thing I'd ask you about this man is you seem pretty high still on the offense and it is worth remembering as fans that they are down to their fourth string quarterback right they did not envision using Dustin Crum this much this year right if if Masoli wasn't going to be ready to start the season and he was supposed to be the number one guy then it would fall to Nick Arbuckle he wasn't particularly effective and then he had injury issues Tyree Adam has injury issues and now you're off and running with Dustin Crum when you look at this team are they like I've had a really hard time determining whether they're any good or not, right? Because you're trying to factor in, well, they are down to their fourth string quarterback and Devonte Deadman has gone down and gotten hurt. Shaq, as you mentioned, just came back this week and you're sort of trying to piece together. What are they? Is this a four win team? Is this an eight win team? Like I still, I have no idea how good this team is, Bunda. Yeah, I, I think this is a very talented team and that's why they are where they are with the amount of uh, injuries they've suffered at quarterback, right? Uh, Masoli, Tyree Adams, like you said, like it's, you know, even Nick Arbuckle has, has dealt with an injury and he's kind of, you know, even seen his play slipped so much that he's not even the starting quarterback, yeah. right? Dustin Krem here has, has shown that. But uh, the one thing I do think is that this team is going to be uh, a, a, a better team in a couple of weeks. Like I said, when they get some injuries uh, back, like Braylon Addison, like Shaq Evans, these guys adding them to the Jalen Acklin, the Napa Hars, like we've already seen, you know, CAOC Mariner has looked good and flashes, but you know, there's so much more that this offense can get to. And I think what we're seeing is that the defense is still going to shine. And Sherrod Baltimore was back starting outside corner. And I thought mm-hmm. he had a pretty decent game as well over the weekend. So, you know, they're, they're getting guys back, you know, the, the safety, you know, Justin Howell's right now injured, but uh, Alonzo Aday, I talked to him post game, but he had to pick two picks in the last couple Big of games, game but him, yeah. you know, he's yeah, and, and now uh, Jovan Santos Knox is back at middle linebacker who started the year injured, right, making his Red Blacks debut. And, you know, he wasn't very noticeable on the field, but, you know, he's someone as well, like I said, who just came back from injury. He's getting ready to kind of build his season up. So there's so much talent well, how on How scary this team was it last week when Malden went down to practice? You're like, oh, here we go. Uh, right? Like, yeah, and they dodged a bullet there, it looks like, but you were just sort of, you see the, the, you know, the video of him being carted off, and you're like, this team cannot catch a goddamn break. But luckily, you know, it looks like they've dodged a bullet there too. And, and as you said, as they get healthy, we'll have a better picture. But I would have normally liked to think this far into the season, you know, we're at the, the start of August now. I thought I would have had a better handle on whether they're any good or not. And I still, I don't really have any idea. And it sounds like you're higher on them though. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm like, uh, I'm very high on them because I do believe, uh, you know, we've, they have dealt with a lot. I'm not making excuses, no, but right. when you lose your quarterbacks and you have, you know, a lot of it, players, you know, getting injured that you're here to rely on, like the one good thing has been the health of the offensive line. It's been very reliable. Uh, every what like they've had the same starting group since week one, which is something that, you know, is very hard to do in the CFL and mm-hmm. in football in general, but, um, 
like I said, there were injuries to receiver. Uh, we're going to see a lot more there. Curry Jones, you know, trying to adapt his offense to, you know, three different kind of quarterbacks, yeah. in, you know, four weeks, right? Like to have four different starters already in a year, it, it is a bit wild. And, you know, I remember asking Curry Jones that a couple weeks back and he's like, man, I think we went through like five quarterbacks, but it was through a whole season. And I thought that was a lot. Yeah. And he's like, so four quarterbacks, you know, in four in five weeks is, was pretty wild. So I do think that even for himself, right, to try and build, get his offense comfortable it's going to take some time but i do think that the talent is there and we've seen that they this team has a good mix of youth and also some solid leadership and some solid veterans that i think are going to carry this team right now and i think that they just have a different vibe and a different mood right now with dustin crumb they do believe in him uh and they do do rally around this guy Yeah, and and that's the thing, like the hype, the build, like you know, he's just a regular old dude, but he's just he just has that it factor, and it's just it's it's exciting to see, but it's just like it just that's what makes him special. Like it's it's funny to just describe him like that, but it, it's true. Like he's just a different dude, and he's just that dude. It, Came it's out cool. of the same conference as Nathan Rourke, man. Maybe there's a little magic there. Yeah, maybe we can. Uh... You know, maybe he's, he there. brought him up the other day. Yeah, that's yeah he right. brought him up. But uh, Nathan, he's saying he still follows, uh, well, his brother as well plays. Uh, and then he was talking about how Dustin Crumb, because like they've, uh, you know, they know each other. And those were the two quarterbacks that came out of the MAC. And, yeah. you know, they were the, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting to see, you know, these kind of names. And I'm not sure what's going to happen with Nathan Rourke, but he, I think I saw an interview with him where he was talking about how it has been a difficult adjustment for him going from the CFL to the NFL again. So, and, you know, he's also been dealing with his foot injury that he had with BC. So, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be, you know, back in BC anytime soon, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him maybe back in the CFL come September and fall to get another year in the CFL and get another things of rep. So maybe we'll see a Dustin Converse, the BC Lions. Who knows, man? Wow. Wouldn't that be, uh, that'd be fucking wild, man. Uh, I will say for the good listener's sake, I mentioned here, uh, once I get back to the studio, we're going to have some people back in. We're going to start running some of our regular guests back through here. Uh, one of those AJ Jackie back and, uh, he'll be on the podcast on Thursday morning. We'll talk some red blacks, of course, with him. We always end up talking about AJ's various travels and things like that. <laughs> AJ's always, uh, got a story or two to tell, but, uh, it wouldn't of course be AJ, AJ man of the stories. I only need like three questions when AJ comes in to do the show. He takes care of the rest, right? So, uh, hey. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll talk some more CFL with AJ later in the week. So stick around for that. Uh, Bunda, you and I need to talk about some fights because it was a oh, wild man. weekend in the UFC. Um, and really I'll, I'll be honest. I don't follow these other leagues quite as much, but across the fight game, huge Bellator card, huge boxing card all over the course of this past weekend. But UFC 291 was built on the hype of like some really exciting fights, but no big title fights. Uh, they've done the BMF thing here. I don't know what you think about that. It's it's fine. I don't mind yeah. it. But like this wasn't built on like big championship fights. This was built on look at these fighters, look at the exciting style they bring. This is going to be crazy. And it was every bit what they promised, man. What did you think of Saturday night's card? Yeah, it's, it's, um, 
it's hard, man. It's always so tough when you, uh, you know, I know, and we were talking about it when we were texting, uh, during the fights, but, um, how hard it is to try and live up to the hype. We've had some awesome fights this year so yep. far. Like the last few cards and pay-per-views have been unreal. Like, you know, and even some of the ones that have been lower named, I remember the one in Vancouver was amazing. All the Canadians winning and it was so good other than Amanda Nunes, you know, just absolutely just handing <laughs> everything to Aldana that she could. And it was just, just such a terrible her, yeah. main event. Yeah. But, but it's like the last few pay-per-views have been unreal and the next ones coming up are, are sick too. So this one was like you said, it's like, we're like, man, it's, it can live up to the hype. And it's like, you know what? The two, like the main event and the co-main, I'm like, for sure. There's no way that Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje aren't getting in an octagon and it being absolutely fucking exciting. Those two are just two of the best and most exciting guys you can get in the octagon. Yeah. Then you look at what was in the co-main and Bokovic versus Pereira. And it's like, oh my God, like Pereira, like making his debut at light heavyweight was one I'm excited to see because this guy's already a monster in middleweight, but you know, he, when he doesn't have to cut that much weight, yep. how much more energized, how much more intense is he? And that was like something you saw because Bokovic was strong early on. But then, like, he, you know what, he, you know, Perea very much adapted to that. And it was so cool to see him kind of learn and progress where you haven't seen Perea get into those situations. So when you looked at those two, it's like, okay. But then it was everything else, too. Like, that was just such an exciting fight, man. And just, you know, starting with Michael Shisea versus like Kevin Holland, like, uh, you know, Kiesa was awesome. And Kevin Holland was just like, not uh, round one, choke. Nope. It was sweet. Like it just started out great, man. But I don't know, man, what was your kind of favorite? uh, I mean, we know the obvious, but just, was there any big moments when you were watching that you were like, this was sick. That, that Kevin Holland fight that kicked off the card that you're talking about against Kiesa, it was, um, like that Kevin Holland guy, he just looks so cool in there. Right. So calm and collected and he's got a game plan. Uh, I was really impressed with him and how that went because he made Kiesa look like they weren't even in the same league. And Kiesa is a talented guy, right? Like he's no one to scoff at. And Kevin Holland just walked through him. And I wonder sometimes how seriously he's taking his career. We've seen other guys um, pull stuff like this. Like in the post-fight interview, I thought it was great. He's talking about if there's nothing happening down here, 170, I'll take my black ass back to 185. I only came down to 170 for a BMF belt. If there's going to be no BMF anything at 170, I want to ship my black ass right back to 85. I like to eat steaks and have sex to make weight. And uh, he said, mm-hmm. I like to eat steaks and have sex to make weight. And I'm like, that's that's a great fucking line, man. <laughs> and, but you wonder, yeah. right? Like he sort of bounced back and forth between those two weight classes. And you sort of wonder, like if you just pick one and try and put together a bit of a run here, because the kid's got all the talent in the world, man. Yeah, and he's exciting to watch too. He and he's great on the mic, right? He's a guy that you want to see higher up in the rankings and maybe taking his fights more seriously because I think he belongs at welterweight. I think he shows that. I think it gives him that much like his power is unique and his fighting style is so good. And we saw that against Kiesa, right? Just this guy can either knock you out, but he can also submit you. He's just a smart fighter. And I feel like if he focused on the welterweight division, this would be good for him at 170. And I could see him making his way easily right away into the top five. You know, yeah. that's he's a guy that it just has that much talent so you know it was it was a very good start i love when you get the you know the first fight of the night is it's usually the one all right who can we get in there that it's going to be a banging fight it's exciting to watch it's you know starts things off right away well it lives up to that it was great what'd you think of the bobby green fight because there were times man where i was sort of uncomfortable even watching it maybe that's already in my head for the wrong reasons 
Um, you know, he sort of put a beating on an all-time UFC legend here. Uh, what do you think of, of what Bobby Green pulled off? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it seemed like a different fight until the eye poke and it's not here to make, I'm not here to make excuses for Tony Ferguson, but you know, the Bobby Green did get him pretty hard and it seemed like Tony was just kind of, he was, he was obviously fighting a little bit better up into that point, but it seemed like that once that happened, that's when Bobby Green was just like ready to go and he took over the fight and he did, you know, I'm on your, I'm on your side with the Tony Ferguson thing. Um, you know, we see so often these legends and, uh, you know, the thing is like Tony Ferguson has now lost six straight fights and yeah. you know this is a guy but it's not against slouches like no but you know bobby green it's like okay like bobby he's Green's a couple years okay, younger but he's he's nothing special right he didn't just get his like tony yeah. ferguson didn't just get a clock his clock cleaned by you know the way diaz was going to be thrown to the wolves there to chimeyev or something like bobby green's just kind of a guy and he he sort of picked him apart right he, he the the leg kicks and everything that were going on uh, it it just looked like Bobby Green, who again is he's no slouch, but he's not a killer either. And I don't, it never to me really looked like Tony Ferguson even had a chance. Uh, I wonder if it's not time to to walk away now. The UFC loves Tony Ferguson. Uh, he was one of those guys who helped them get back up and running after the pandemic, right when they were going to do, you know, the the Apex stuff and the Fight Island stuff. Like Tony Ferguson was signing up for everything, and he kept losing. Yeah. But Dana. Dana respects those guys, right? These all-time legends. And and so if Ferguson keeps saying to him for a while, no, I, I want to take another shot at this. No, I think I still got something. I think they'll let him keep fighting, but I think that might be a mistake. I, I think we might be at the end of, of the line for Tony Ferguson. Yeah, but he says he wants to fight. Which, I know. You know, it, I'm interested in that. Like, I don't know what he... He wants it's tough. Like you know, like I said, I gave him. I, I didn't think he was looking so bad early on the fight up until the eye poke. But yeah. it was seemed like after that, it was absolutely that he he had nothing going, and it did look bad at times. And you know, he he's so tough, and you hate seeing him in those positions. And I think back to Cowboy, right? Robbie Lawler, who we were just talking about one of the last fights. Man, yeah. the way that that retirement that that couldn't have been better, right? That's the dream scenario. You win, you know, you have a crazy knockout in your final fight. You lay down your gloves, and you don't know what's going to happen. We can get to the next fight after about that as well. But, you know, for Tony Ferguson, it's like, you know, it's so easy to keep wanting to give them fights. And it's like, you know, this one was, you know, not the one of the top guys he's fought and he's lost to a lot of the top guys recently. But this one was just a whatever fight. And it's like, all right, Tony, like you didn't look good. So I'm not going to, I'm not here to give him the benefit of the doubt. But uh, I do think that he, you know, he probably should not fight again. It's, I don't like seeing these legends kind of look silly sometimes. Well, and it's funny, you know, you mentioned it there and it's an easy transition to Derek Lewis who had a legendary fucking night. Man, he was incredible, but he was coming in in on sort of a rough road as well, right? You were starting to wonder yep. if he was starting to wind down his career, and all of a sudden, this monster of a man charges across the across the octagon with a flying knee to start the fight, and within thirty seconds, he's dominating. Within forty seconds or forty five seconds, he's won the fight. Within sixty seconds, his shorts are off, and within ninety seconds, he's chucking his cup out into the audience. So. What a fucking legend, man. And these are the stories that you, you know, you mentioned, uh, that can still happen, right? Every now and then you can still get it done. And this gives, uh, Derek Lewis, the all time finish record, I believe makes him the, uh, guy with the most finishes in the UFC. He's incredibly entertaining to watch. He's incredibly likable, 
But this could have gone the other way as well, right? Because we've seen him come in and struggle in past years. And he he did this one. Everyone loves this guy. He's hilarious on the microphone. Like I said, he's, for whatever reason, he's peeling his shorts off after the fight. But this yeah. could have just as easily gone the other way. But man, that was incredibly fun to watch what Derek Lewis did. Yeah, just to open with that knee, it was just so unlike him and so funny to see him do that. But he is just a character. And For yeah, any like it's, it's right? Tough. The flying knee is just, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> but like, even if you look at him, it's like, all right, he's not an athletic looking being, no, but he is. Not. And it's yeah. so crazy to see him do that. And, you know, I love how when like Joe asked him, he's like, you plan that? Hell no. <laughs> like, he wasn't planning that. He's like, I just thought the shot, if it landed, landed. Yeah. And it did. And it was just like, He's just so honest and so fun. Like, like you said, taking off his shorts already, throwing his gloves in. And that's the thing we like, uh, you know, he's, he's fought some tough guys. Like he had a good knockout a couple of years ago against Dawkins, but then he fought some like murderers row, right? To Ivasa Pavlovich, like Spivak, like, you know, he lost in the submission in the first round, but yeah. you know, his win against Delima was exciting to see. And, you know, he doesn't know what he's going to do. Maybe he will fight more, but he might not fight in the UFC. I'm going to guarantee the UFC gives him another contract here, Matty. I don't think it was his last fight. I I think he still wants to fight. He has some fun. I think he's a guy that might enter that. You know what? It could get dangerous. But if you just keep him fighting some of these mid card guys, kind of keep him as a gate holder for some of these guys. Yep. You know, I think that would be you know someone you can kind of keep him in the in the UFC with. And well, you know, so he, let me he ask shows you: Do you think there was premeditated there from him if he won to have the crazy celebration like that? Because now the UFC can market that moving forward. Look how fun this guy is. As you say, maybe they it make them more likely to want to keep him. Uh, there is also, we should mention, the possibility that if he does walk away, you know, maybe Francis Ngannou is next. They fight somewhere else, not under the UFC banner. Maybe that's something the UFC doesn't want to let happen, right? They'd rather reward Derek Lewis, keep him under contract, and, and prevent that fight from happening somewhere else. I don't know if any of those things tie into it for you, or was that just spontaneous? That's just the way this guy is, and... Uh, you know, I'm I'm curious what you thought of the whole uh, post-fight shenanigans and whether or not it was meant to kind of make sure this guy got some attention to help get him a new contract. Well, the win obviously helps, right? That's a thing. I yeah. think that that seeing him win like that, that's that's Derek Lewis, man. That's the Black Beast. Like he's just he's so much fun, and he's always been like. I don't think he was doing it on purpose for anything because I think that's just naturally who he is. Right. We've seen him like that. Like you said, the the my balls was hot. Like this guy is. <laughs> always a great Mike guy like he's just so much fun like he's so likable and the UFC that's why I don't think he's going to walk away from the UFC I think Dana White knows he has somebody that's exciting and fun and he you know he's 38 years old though does he want to keep fighting in the yeah, UFC yeah. does he want to kind of go look the thing is now he brought up the Francis and Ghana right he went and started you know his own thing he got paid a lot better so does yeah. he want to look at maybe a Bellator and see if he could get you know cash in for you know another couple uh, you know maybe another couple fights on his name you know does he maybe look at something else as you try and look at a boxing thing too with yeah. you know he's a celebrity kind of guy like we could see a lot from him and i think he's just probably going to weigh his options right now like that's the thing he's he's a free agent and i think that he has the power in his hand having a knockout like that and just a fun style because you can put him on the mic you can put him on social media he's just that kind of guy where he brings attention that and personality fans like him is and he, valuable right like maybe yeah, vince mcmahon comes calling right like that guy on a microphone yeah, I mean, and uh, like he'll have some options it's not just that he's a good fighter it's that he's a good talker and you and I sort of disagreed the last time you were on about the ability for Francis Ngannou to sell his next boxing match 
and the comparison being to Conor McGregor and his boxing match. And Francis Ngannou, in my opinion, has a far better chance in his fight, but that maybe his personality isn't as big as McGregor's and he would struggle to sell that fight compared to what Conor did. Derek Lewis seems like a guy that whether it be Bellator or boxing or, yeah, who knows, maybe someday in the WWE, that guy is marketable. His personality is big. He's fun. People like him. You know, you could do something with that. I I think that's going to be valuable for him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Honestly, we've seen a few, you know, former UFC fighters do that. And Ronda Rousey, I think, I don't know, I I heard a rumor she's trying to make her way back to the UFC. I too. I don't see it, but I heard like that's uh, maybe i hope not yeah no it's maybe. a different would, world than when she left well i just i've kind of i don't like the fact that she basically quit when she lost she went to you you know the wwe yeah. and then sounds like things never really worked out there for her and then she left and then she came back and it's still not working out so it seems like she her just first run, keeps, you know kinda, me man i'm a bit of a wrestling nerd her first run was pretty yeah. good they had her on top she wasn't as popular as they wanted her to be but they did a really good story that led to the uh, the women main eventing WrestleMania for the first time. So that was pretty historic. Yeah. Her second run after she left and came back, yeah, she's kind of mid-card tag team stuff with Shayna Baszler, and it's, it's not going anywhere near as well. So I, maybe she wants to return to fighting, but, you know, it... The women's game in the UFC is so much stronger now than it was when she was last there. I don't expect that if she were to return that she would be anything particularly special. The name would yeah, be big, I, I, but the ability, maybe not. Yeah, the name would be big. It, it has that Conor McGregor kind of feel, right? The, yes. Like She was the superstar as well for the females at that time, and maybe her name would come back. But, um, you know, it would be crazy to see her and like Holly Holm have another fight, even though, I don't know, I think I, I would be curious to see what she's like. Something tells me she's still probably an animal, and Maybe this is what she needed as a reset, but I also don't know. I also, like I said, I haven't been very high on her. Um, you know, I've always kind of appreciated and respected her career, but I was always like, okay, yeah, like I, I didn't like the way she just kind of quit. And then yeah. she now, if she wants to come back, cool. Like if she wants to fight and come back for the championship, all the power to her. I'm, I'm down to watch her fight again and I'm curious to see what happens. But no, just, and wasn't it Jorge Masvidal and a couple other UFC fighters were part of AEW too? Yep. Like, so AEW might be coming looking too, sure, man. Sure, maybe. There's a bit of a crossover there here now. Like they, they're, they're not afraid to stick their, uh, but you see a couple like Kane Velasquez had a run in WWE before he got yeah. into all that trouble. So this, it's a natural, um, progression for some of these fighters. If they decide they're done actually getting punched in the face for a living, yeah, maybe my name's got some value and I can go and have a little pretend fight or two and, and make some money. And especially if I'm a good talker. So uh, yeah, no. And Masvidal was perfect for that as well, right? Like a guy can talk whether you like him or not is a totally different question, but he can sell a, a fight, whether it be real or fake. We should talk, man, about Blahovich and Pereira, which was, uh, man, it was really interesting. I, I wasn't really sure what to make out of that because we had seen Adesanya when he was the middleweight champ, move up to light heavyweight, fight Blahovich, and he just wasn't quite there, right? Like Blahovich was an experienced light heavyweight. He fit, he like, he's a thick light heavyweight. Um, oh yeah. And, and like had all this power and everything. And I wasn't sure whether or not Pareto would be able to fit in there. And he moves up and in the first round, and you referenced this when we first teed up the, the show here and, and just sort of general thoughts that, you know, early on Blahovich sort of had this under control in the first round and, Man, he just ended up, as the fight went on, it was at altitude, right, in Salt Lake City. He looked gassed, and I 
developed a whole new level of respect for Pareda in this fight because he never looked gassed, right? Like he just kept mm-hmm. coming. Um, and with a big man like Jan Blahovich on top of him and early on, right? Like making him carry his weight. And Pareda just stayed right in there. And at the end of it, there was no question that that was Pareda's fight and probably puts him in line for the next title shot in that division. That title is in a bit of a mess, right? We've talked about this a bunch of times, the number of guys who've gotten hurt and they've rescheduled interim fights and whatever. The title maybe is a bit of a different question, but what did you think of that fight? Yeah, I loved it. And I loved how much you saw uh, Perea just kind of, you know, just keep building on the fight and keep learning throughout the fight and adjusting and adapting to the way Bokovic was. You look, you bring up, you know, that he had, he never looked gassed. It's true. It looked like, you know what, that he didn't go through a huge uh, weight cut, which didn't affect his stamina, right? Yeah. I think that you look at Bokovic, I think during the broadcast, they brought it up. It's like Bokovic is like, you know, he couldn't make middleweight, right? Perea does. Yep. So like, that's the thing. Bokovic is a big light heavyweight. And that's where I think a lot of what happened between him and Adesanya was there was never a chance for him because, you know, Adesanya barely made that fight. I think he was like, what, 93? Like, he was like barely even anywhere near the, the weight that he should have made. And you got Bokovic, you know, he's a friggin', he's a, he's a tank, man. Yes. Like, he's a big boy. So when you see them at 205, and it's like, all right, this guy's so two, 205, he probably fights at 220, 225 at least. Yeah. And Perea, I don't know what he's fighting at, but you know what? It just obviously looked like the weight well, cut made hurt him as much. They all made a him putting on 23 pounds after the weigh in, right? And he did not look exactly. small in there. And when you looked at Pareda in there with Blahovich, you did kind of go, how did that guy ever get down to middleweight, like in Pareda, right? And yeah. he looked far more comfortable or like his body type looked like he belongs at light heavyweight. Yeah, it does. And I think that uh, I am curious to see. Like, one, I love the way he absolutely had this fight, too. Uh, Bokovic, you know, a bigger body guy that you relies on his jabs and his striking. What did he do? He attacked that front leg to, you know, it, Bokovic could barely walk. Yeah. Like, he was yeah. he was struggling and he just absolutely carved that leg. They made so many, uh, you know, not- so many ways that they pointed out during the fight that look at the, the goose egg. Like, it was it was beat up. Like, and Bokovic yes. it struggled. It hurt him because he's a big dude and now he's got to carry all that weight all that energy he's trying to take down Perea but he doesn't have the strength because he doesn't have both legs yep. like there was so much that Perea did and we just saw exchanges like the striking like Perea the way he's just so calculated it, it it does they brought up during the broadcast how you know it affected him against Adesanya because when he's there and he's got you locked down against the cage, you saw it at one point against Bokovic, but he's got you locked down. His hands are down and he's just trying to pick you apart. He's got such precision fighting and put his punches are so on the button, but it's also just like, you got to defend yourself because Bokovic caught him a couple times and it happened against Adesanya where he caught him, even though Adesanya was back up against the cage. Yeah. He just has that, like, you got to be a little bit more aware of the guys you're fighting. And he got tagged a couple times, but his chin, was strong and it was something too where early in the first round it was like oh man like you know what Bokovic had the fight I think he easily took the first round but Perea kind of came back hard in the second round and the third round Bokovic got a, a takedown late but it didn't do much it literally looked like he was out of desperation the guy had no gas left yeah. so it was a very exciting fight and I think Perea absolutely gets a title shot now Bokovic is right up there in the top I think he either gets the title or he should like the thing is that like you said right now this division is in an absolute crapshoot and there's so many injuries to all the top guys so i think he has earned himself a, a title shot against whomever it sounds but I think like it, you know, Yuri even, prohoshka is ready like yeah they, he was interviewed here in the last day or two and he says his shoulders you know good to go or at least will be by the time you know you would go through a camp here and so 
maybe that's it. Pereira for uh, versus Prohoshka for an interim title, yeah. uh, or maybe it, or even Ankalaev. Yeah, but if you recall the last outing for Ankalaev when they gave him that opportunity, it ended up being pretty boring. Like I don't know whether they'll want to do that again. Like he might be mm-hmm. worthy of having that opportunity, but you know, style wise, whether they would want to go back to that, I. I It'll be really interesting to see, right? Like Jamal Hill, I think his is an Achilles, isn't it? Like that's a year if he's he's out, if that's what his injury is. So this division's a bit of a mess, but all of a sudden Paredes arrived in it and is suddenly, you know, right there as a contender, through, throws a whole new wrinkle uh, into that division. So I'll be curious to see where they go yeah. with it, man. I think he he should get the next title shot if, you know, that is what happens because I think Akalayev actually just took a fight. Uh, I just saw that. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, just who an it hour was. or two before we recorded, I think they announced something. Yeah. yeah. I saw something and I don't, uh, I don't remember it, it wasn't off the top of my head right anyway, now. No, so. No, it wasn't. So that's the thing. So and they did say like that said, Pareda, like someone asked Pareda after the fight, you know, are you staying at light heavyweight or do you want to go back down? And he, and he said his plan essentially is to stay at light heavyweight. He said he would go back to middleweight. He wants to give his body a little time because it is hard on him to get down to middleweight. He said at this point, the only reason he would probably go back to middleweight is for another Adesanya uh, encounter, which would make some money, right? Those guys have had wars over the years. Yeah. Uh, he said he would do it for that, but otherwise he's probably just going to stay at uh, at light heavyweight, which as we talked about, man, that looks to be the most logical spot for him. He's a big man and... And he seems to fit there quite well. Yeah, him and Addison, you're absolutely going to fight again, and it's going to be at middleweight because he knows Addison, you can't make that weight, and I think that he knows that that's the best way. But I also think he just wants that. Like you see it, man. Like during the whole, like you know, walkout during the whole introductions, you know, they're talking on the broadcast about how, oh man, like does he ever smile? Does he ever laugh? And he's like, no, no, no. And he's like, he's not. Man, the dude is scary. Yes. The guy looks like he literally wants to murder anybody that's yes. in that octagon, and it's just <laughs> so intense, just looking into his eyes. But you could just tell that that loss to Adesanya eats at him. So when he made that reference, it's like, I think he does want to make a little run at the title here, yeah. see what he could do here. But you know, he's absolutely going back down to middleweight to try and fight Adesanya again and get his number again, because this guy looks like the kind of guy that there's no way, no how he's ending his career with that L to Adesanya. I just, and I don't know if he'll beat Adesanya another time around, but I'm just saying, you could tell that this guy wants, wants that. It. So yes. uh, I, I'm excited to see him though, you know, have a little bit of a run at the light heavyweight title here and see how things go. Um, and I think he deserves it because he's... He's just one, he's just nasty. Like the guy's just scary and he's fun, but he just brings some, so much dimensions to a fight. And I like seeing him, you know, be able to handle a wrestler and a guy and a, sorry, a jujitsu kind of guy in Mokovic. So I want to see him have a little bit of a title shot here next. Dustin Poirier and Justin Gaethje in the main event, man. And this was spectacular. You and I had talked as you referenced a little while ago, traded a couple texts and just said, I had said to you, this one feels like the potential is here for disappointment only because so many of us had talked this up. Like these guys have killer fights. They always throw them. This is going to be amazing. And at some point, even if they come out and have a good fight instead of a great fight, it feels like a letdown because we had built it up so big. And yet there was no fear of that. Once that fight started, they both came out just throwing them. I'll be a little honest with you. Well, I'll be totally honest with you. I was a little surprised. It only went six minutes. Um, I sort of thought this would be 
a car wreck, right? Because they're both so tough. And yeah, they both throw bombs. Yeah, they're both incredibly active and, um, you know, willing to take risks. I sort of thought that might lead to like a fourth round kind of finish when they both were left bloodied and battered. The fact that uh, Gaethje lands this kick just one minute into the second round caught me off guard a little bit. It was still spectacular. What we saw was still incredibly entertaining, but I thought it might go a little longer just knowing how tough both of these guys are. What do you think of the main event, man? Yeah, it was crazy because you go back and you watch their first fight in 2018 and how Gaethje, same thing, leg kicks in the first round, right? All over Perea, or sorry, all over Poirier. Sorry, Perea had all the leg kicks as well, but <laughs> yes. man, Gaethje was all over him and he's so good at the leg kicks. Both guys, between Perea and Gaethje, so good at just absolutely snapping those legs in there so quickly and you have nothing, but it just wears down the opponent so quickly. But uh, what a, like, just what a brawl between the two of them. And, uh, a little disappointing, I guess you could say, because like you said, it ended earlier than expected, yeah. and it, it surprises everybody because, one, Justin Gaethje doesn't throw head kicks. We saw him throw a couple <laughs> in the first round, and it's like, okay, and then he hit that one in the second round. I was like, well, okay, this guy, and he was he said it after. He's like, yeah, I don't normally do this, and he's like, I just I went for it. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, like Gaethje is just that guy where he is legit the highlight, right? He's he's exciting to watch, and I thought that he just he executed his plan so good, and the surprise was, you know, we don't see Poirier get knocked out, no. right? And he was like knocked out. I think out. they like, said he was the first time out. since 2016 Poirier had been knocked out. Incredible. Man. Yeah. And he's fought some heavy men. Like oh, he's yeah. been the guy that's he fought all the, like he's fought all the championship contenders. So like it was a bit surprising, but I loved, I loved seeing how he set it up with the kind of jab, right? And then he just follows it up with the head kick. And then they showed it right next to the Leon Edwards on Kamaru Usman, <laughs> yes. the highlights together. And they were legit in sync. Like it was just opposite fighting stances, but legit but as you said, sync, right, he, like, he throws sync. that jab low which forces Poirier to drop his hands a little. And you can tell as that head kick is coming up behind it, Poirier's like, fuck, right? Like, he know, I'm yeah. not going to get there. I'm not going to get my hands back up in time to block this. And down he went. Uh, Herb Dean delivering the people's elbow right behind him. Right? Oh, my <laughs> God, the slide in there. Yeah. <laughs> so good, eh? <laughs> I was like, man, it was so clutch, too, because he absolutely avoided landing on Poirier. But it was just like where he just came out of nowhere. When, like, and Gaethje did land uh, on a shot on to Poirier when he was lying on the ground. Yeah, like, yeah. But he was absolutely out cold. Like, he For was sure. out cold. and. Yeah, Herb Dean fl- sliding in there. That was uh, that was pretty funny. It was a good highlight uh, to add to that as well. And you know, it was nice to see Poirier. You know, kind of being high spirits fo- uh, post fight. It was obviously deflating for him to you know take that loss. And you know, the way that the first fight went, and like you said, uh, you know maybe that going into this fight you were expecting a little bit so more reckless more of a slobber knocker kind of brawling kind of fight and that's what happened in the first fight between yep. the two of them yep. and Gaethje got caught and that's what happened in the third round he was winning that fight man he was beating up Poirier yep. and then he was absolutely shredding that leg he was landing some shots like he was a brawl it was a great fight but then in the third round he got caught and that's what happened he got knocked out and so now we see that happen to Poirier where you know what he wasn't brawling I thought they were a little bit more calculated both of them yep. in the way that they fought this one but it just the surprise the toughness we've seen from you know the diamond man he's one of the toughest and most exciting guys in the octagon two of the guys like uh the only like i said to you there was only 
there was no way that they weren't going to live up to the hype. These guys just live off the adrenaline of just absolutely beating the shit out of each other. Yes. And it's, it's exciting well, when they get were, in the octagon. You were totally yeah. right about that, right? That, that it lived it's, up to the hype. Gaethje has never fought in a boring fight in his entire no. life. Neither has Dustin Poirier. <laughs> like these guys are just always in the, you know, bonuses. They're always getting like the fight of the night kind of stuff. Like it's, these are the two guys that when you put in the octagon, that happens. And you know what? I, I can't wait for them to fight again because they almost need to, um, you know, Poirier Gaethje was said he's going to make that, one last, right? Yeah. Sorry. After the, yeah. after the fight, he was asking, as you said, he was in pretty high spirit saying, you know, sometimes that, that shit happens. Uh, and he said, you know, the life I've had, the career I've had, I'm, I'm doing all right. Now he sort of made it clear. Like he didn't commit to a rematch, which they wouldn't do right away. Anyway, Gaethje's earned more than that at this point, yeah. but down the road at some point, he said, well, you know, we're one and one against each other. We've each got a knockout. You know, we'll see. It probably makes sense to do a rematch at some point, but we'll see how it goes. But he also sort of turned down the idea or, you know, poured cold water on the idea that he might take on an up and coming contender next. Like he's sort of at a point in his career where he's likely only looking to take on other stars um, and, you know, things that'll make him some money, which is totally reasonable after beating up Conor McGregor twice and and now having this fight against uh, Gaethje, whereas Gaethje, I don't know where you see this now, man, because he's sort of reestablished himself. He kept sort of appearing to be this guy who would come up close to the title, but never quite grab it, right? Was never, ever able to put himself solidly into that upper echelon, but always a guy you wanted to see fight. And so he's sort of now at lightweight waiting on this, you know, um, Makachev versus Dubronx, I guess we're going to do again. It sort of sounds like he needs, um, like his future totally depends on this, right? Cause he's fought Oliveira a couple times and it hasn't gone that well for him. So he needs Makachev to be the one to win this fight so he can get a shot at the belt. But if Makachev wins, they're probably going to do Volkanovski versus Makachev next, like in the in another one of these super fights. Like it's sort of a weird spot for Gaethje to be in. He's likely earned himself another title shot. But if one guy wins, he doesn't have really the resume to to fight that guy. And if the other guy wins, well, there's a couple of super fights out in front of him that. You know, like he's in a weird spot here. Uh, I think Gaethje gets the next title shot, the winner of Makachev versus Oliveira. I think the reason, like the big thing was, is uh, Makachev needed to defend his title, I think, by October. And that was where the rush was. And we weren't sure if Oliveira would be ready in time or not. Well, he basically uh, the said he wasn't was going to be ready. And then all of a sudden, yeah. out of nowhere, he's like, yeah, all right, I'm in. And- yeah, well, that's the thing, and I think it didn't make sense for Makachev to take on Volkanovski again, right? He's hasn't defended his title against anybody in his own division, right? And it is kind of they were just in a tough spot as well because this fight between Gaethje and Poirier just was happening, right? So that yeah. was the other thing, and you know, Darush, you know, he's dealing with whatever. Michael Chandler is kind of like chilling, just waiting for whatever is going to happen with Conor McGregor, which we can get to in a little yep. bit because yep. I'm still sick of him right now. <laughs> but like Fazeev just lost to Gaethje, so you're going down the list and. Like, okay, like, yeah, his next fight, like, he just beat number two, like, has to be the winner of, you know, Makachev versus Oliveira. As much as they probably want to do Volkanovski again, I think that, you know, if Gaethje wants the next title fight, he absolutely earned it if whoever wins this fight between Oliveira and Makachev. So, you know, this is a guy that 
like you said, it's kind of a gimmicky belt, but it is a cool and unique belt that, you know, I think is well deserved for a guy like Justin Gaethje. You know what he could always say? Like, no one, like I've got, yeah, there's not many of them, like, you know, between him and Masvidal, like that is a special crew. Also, how sour did he look, uh, Masvidal giving the belt over to uh, Gaethje? Like, you know, they don't (laughs) like each other at all. So it was actually kind of funny seeing that he dreaded giving him that belt, but uh, I think it is kind of a cool thing for these guys. If you're a more casual fight fan, the BMF belt is, is bad motherfucker and it is it's a bit of a gimmick right now we like it it only it only comes out every now and then when there's a fight that is like absolutely this is for the bmf title um baddest motherfucker in the ufc but it doesn't have really a weight class or much of a lineage or you know we've seen diaz in that class we've seen masvidal as he referenced but it sort of comes and goes when they need it to right like they're they're sort of obligated in a lot of these arena deals even to make sure there's a title fight on every pay-per-view. And I don't know if that was the case here or not to make them drag out the BMF title again. It's, I don't know, man. It, it's sort of funny to me. You you don't need an actual belt in my opinion, right? Like Gaethje versus Poirier. Yeah, those are two bad motherfuckers. I get it. I, I don't know if I really need the gimmicky title or not. I don't know how you feel about that, but no, I, I actually don't mind it because they're not doing it every year. Right. No, I like that's that. Right. It hasn't been for a bit. And I think it's, 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 it is silly. I don't count it as a title. I just count it as like, you know what? It is a cool, unique concept to add. You know, you got the Mike Tyson part of it. They had the rock before for Masvidal and Diaz. But like when you have the right fighters fighting each other and you can do it, I think it's cool to add that aspect to it yeah. because it's like, you know what? These two are bad motherfuckers. They've had great careers. Cause you look at it, Masvidal Diaz, like two guys that are crazy. Masvidal more street fighting kind of crazy. And he had some crazy, like, you know, one of the craziest knockouts in UFC history with his knee on Ben Askren, but I look at it in a sense of, you know what, he still earned that because he was a crazy street fighting kid in California, and Diaz, everybody loved Diaz. He was so meant for that title, but these two guys have been through so many wars, so many fight of the nights, that it was like, these two are going to fight. Why don't we give them the BMF? It's a title. I like it in that sense of it. If they did it every year or they they brought it up a lot, I think you need to pick and choose right guys that deserve that kind of recognition and are meant for that belt. I think it works and I think that's cool but I, I don't look at it as yeah these guys are title holders whatever and I thought Gaethje did a good job of really acknowledging yeah this is a cool belt whatever but it's also like I everyone knows I want that light heavyweight cha- or sorry that lightweight championship so yeah. I, 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 I can deal with it I don't love it but I also think it is a unique and it is a cool aspect that the UFC has brought this out and they're not overdoing it which, which is what is doing You're right. it they're not me, hammering it into the ground any sense, yeah yeah no, yeah it's all right. Uh, you mentioned, though, a couple of minutes ago, Conor McGregor, who it seems Once even again. in 2023, we cannot discuss UFC without discussing Conor McGregor. Look, we've talked about this in the past. He's supposed to fight Michael Chandler as the finale here to uh, the ultimate fighter. He's not in the uh, in the USADA drug testing pool, and so that fight with Chandler still... God knows what's going to happen. Dana White commented and said, well, who cares about USADA? And then pretended he never said it. I don't know what the hell that was all about. Uh, but Connor. That was Dana White being Dana White. I uh, guess, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Connor tweets out after this BMF title fight between Poirier and Gaethje that, you know, I'm the real BMF, right? He's trying to to sit there and and make himself part of this again, make himself the center of attention again. And... Like, I sort of referenced, if you're Gaethje, 
what's supposed to happen here, right? Like, and do I want to wade into anything with Conor McGregor knowing that he has, he was committed to fighting Michael Chandler and now no one knows if that's going to happen. Do I want to commit to fighting this guy? There's money there. There's always money when Conor's involved. If you can count on Conor to show up, um, you know, if it does turn out that Makachev in October does win that fight against Charles Oliveira, maybe they do want to go to Volkanovsky versus Makachev again. Now Gaethje's got to fight somebody else to kind of kill some time and make some money before he gets his title fight. Would that be a moment to do something with Connor? Because you sort of referenced the lightweight division all being cleaned out. Or is there nothing here at all? And this is just Connor running his mouth. What did you make of Connor McGregor trying to interject himself back into the the conversation here? Yeah, man, shut the fuck up. I'm so <laughs> sick of him. Like it's it's like I'm so sick of, of every fight. Volkanovsky, the last couple of every every pay per view, he just tweets at the champion saying, "I would kill them. I would knock them out." It's like, dude, you can't even get into USADA. You can't even get into the drug testing pool. It's honestly starting Justin to piss Gaethje me off. Justin like, did say. Yeah. yeah, I'd fight him, but I'm not fighting somebody on steroids. You're like, holy fuck, I just lay it right out there. Hey, well, <laughs> and I don't know what's going on with Conor McGregor, if he doesn't really want to fight or whatever is going on, and this is just him keeping his name alive, attacking every yes. fighter on social media, but never wants to get in the octagon again. It's like, okay, cool, what are you doing? Like, like who are you anymore? Like, you are like you were a name, but you're going to come out here. Well, like you like, said, that's fight the other somebody thing. You go shut back, the fuck up, right? Like. <laughs> Well, you go back a couple of years ago too, and these guys used to always talk. And Gaethje brought up post fight that he was like, uh, "That guy's turned me down about five times." It's true. They they were supposed to fight, and it's like, well, then yeah. Connor ducked him and fought Cowboy Cerrone. Yeah, it was like, okay, ducked him there. Gaethje got the fight against uh, Tony Ferguson for the interim belt. It was like, all right, there you go, Connor. Like. It just kind of shows that this guy isn't serious about fighting anymore. He's already said, like, screw it. I make the rules. Like, I'm not fighting Chandler. F with that. It's like, why? What did Chandler do? That's the thing. Chandler's kind of sitting there, and he, he was promised to fight against yeah. Conor McGregor, which is a different payday, right? Yeah, 100%. Everybody wants that kind of lifestyle-changing thing, and that's what happened to uh, you know, Dustin Poirier. I saw that that's, it's a different kind of thing when you fight Conor McGregor. You get different kind of money. It's a big deal. So does Gaethje want to do that? You know, he knows if he wins that fight, you know what? He gets a title shot no matter what, yep. but also if he gets that fight he gets a payday and he's set for the rest of his life kind of thing it's life-changing money right so that's the other thing but i don't see that happening because i don't think the ufc is going to force that i think right now that there's enough going on i don't i could see a super fight between volkanovsky and makachev but with gaichi sitting here waiting unless he's okay with waiting till like next summer right he sometimes takes a little while to fight i know he wants to kind of keep this run going right now so that's where i think he will get the next next fight and sometime early next year i believe you know we'll see probably in february or March, but I can see that fight happening because right now Connor's not even like he can't fight this year. Like he's just not going to be able to make fights. So right. I don't know what's going to happen with him, but I just need him to stop trying to get into every conversation and act like he's going to talk tough. It's like I loved it when he was in the UFC and he would do it because he would always back it up. Sure. Now that he's not in the UFC and he's doing it, it's just like, dude, you're just a clown. Like if you're not going to back <laughs> up your smack talk, you what are you? You're just a mouthpiece, right? You're not a fighter anymore. Yeah. It's like get in the octagon and train. And that's the problem. The guy's getting arrested. He's getting, you know, he's always in trouble with the law now. And it's like, he got that, you know, fuck you money when he fought Floyd Mayweather in that boxing match and he's set for life now. And he just doesn't have any motivation or drive to need to kind of fight anymore. And it just shows it's like, he could just go sell it on his, his name and his mic skills. But I just, it sucks because he was so talented and he came from nothing and he grew into something so big, a double champ. Like it was so, you know, he, he brought it and he really kept the UFC on the map because, you know, there was such a hard turnover with superstars 
between him and Ronda Rousey through the, you know, mm-hmm. the middle 2010s, like they brought and kept it huge. And then he set himself up for that fight, but it's like now it's just, he's never been the same guy and he's never, ever going to be his loss to Nurmagomedov, right? It's, you know, his losses to Poirier. Yeah. He beat that cowboy, but it's just like the dude hasn't really won a fight in like a long time. And he hasn't really trained or looked like he's given a shit in a fight in a long time. So it's like, you know what? I don't want to see him if he's just going to be a clown. Like it's just, it's, you're kind of getting to the point where you're basically, you know, WWE guy that just, you know, always talks your crap, but you'll never back it up kind of thing. It just, <laughs> I don't know. I just, it bothers me so much that he needs to take to every main event pay-per-view and try and challenge the, t- like whoever it is, whether it's Volkanovsky, Makachev, and now Dustin Poirier, or well, not Dustin Poirier, but Justin Gaethje. So yeah. he was even chirping Dustin Poirier too. Like this guy's a clown. I think you're right, man. And as you said, it's, it's a bit of a bummer because the fight game, when Conor McGregor is actually in it, is pretty fun. He's a big talker. He's a big name. Uh, he brings a lot of eyeballs. He brings a lot of money. But you actually got to fight. <laughs> you actually got to show yeah. up sometime and actually do it. So uh, it was an interesting night, man. And there's all kinds of good stuff ahead. No doubt you'll uh, you'll be back on to help us break that down. Anything else you wanted to hit here today before we wrap this up? Well, the big one I know we're going to be talking about next is uh, one that you and me both can't wait for, but it's 292. Uh, you know, my man Sugar Sean O'Malley yes. uh, against Aljamain Sterling, but uh, also the co-main, my other guy, my girl, Zhang Wiley, man, I love her. She is so sick in the octagon, but that is going to be such a sick card. But also just seeing the fight hype and the videos between Aljamain and O'Malley and the promos for this fight, <laughs> man, it was giving me chills during 291. It was sick. So I can't wait for that one. Ian Gary's also on that card. Cody Go- Garbrand, No Love. Like, These are some a lot names of my that kind of- you've been bringing up on the show forever. Zhang Wiley's always been someone, whenever she's on here, you're talking her up big. Sean O'Malley has been your boy for a long time. And this, this this 292, this is a bundle card, right? Ian Gary, too. The Ian Irish, thing, sure, you know, the yes. second, second McConnor McGregor, right? This guy is, is, I'm happy to see him on a main card again because I believe he was uh, buried in the prelims at one of his last fights and it pissed me off because, like, this guy is awesome on the mic and in the octagon. Like, keep him on the main card. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm really excited to see that. But yeah, man, you guys, you and Creech used to hate me because I was always <laughs> a Jang Wiley girl. I wasn't with Thug Rose. Like, that's uh, right. I, and that's what, that's what it is, man. Man, my girl's the champ. I love her. But <laughs> Cody Garbrand used to be my man too back in the day, but he's been more of a like no chin lately. So, and Cheeto Vera is also fighting Pedro Munoz, which if you look at that card, Pedro how crazy Munoz, it is. Hey man, still around. Good for that guy. Well, but Marlon, so Cheeto Vera has the only win against Sean O'Malley and right. Sean O'Malley hurt his foot, broke his foot early in that fight. Yeah. Not making excuses, but kind of making excuses because it, it obviously held him back. Sure. He ended up taking the L in that fight regardless. But, you know, Cheeto Vera has also made his way up. He took a fight, lost. Well, O'Malley beat, um, you know, when he went out and beat uh, Peter Yawn, mm-hmm. now he just waited for a title shot. Now he gets a title shot. Well, it's funny to see the card is opening between Munoz versus Cheeto Vera, who Munoz was a win a couple wins ago for Sean O'Malley knocked him out. Yeah. So it's just kind of like Cheeto Vera's gone down, <laughs> where Sean O'Malley, after his loss to uh, you know Cheeto Vera, just keeps going up. But it's, it's exciting. It's going to be an awesome card. I can't wait to break it down. But yeah, a lot of great names on the fight as well. Chris Weidman's fighting uh, Andre Petrovsky, who's a young kind of guy 
coming up. So uh, I can't wait for that card. But seeing the promo for it to tee it up and hype it up, man, that was exciting. Also, I'm really happy to see that Tom Aspinall, he got a win last week in his uh, main event in his kind of return. Uh, It was exciting to see that happen because he is uh, one of my kind of favorite fighters to watch in the heavyweight division. But him beating Marcin Tabura in the first round with a knockout, it was like, all right, I'm back. He had the very, you know, tough injury that he did against uh, Curtis Blades uh, a couple years ago. And, you know, now he battled, well, I guess it was last year, but battling back now that heavyweight division, there is a lot of guys wanting to fight. And John Jones only wants to fight old guys that is pretty <laughs> much going to be retired after. And sure, I get it. You want to go after Stipe Miocic for your, your probably name and to have that name to beat the best heavyweight of all time. But right now, when you got guys like Pavlovich, Aspinall, uh, we're starting to see, you know, some, some names in the, you know, heavyweight yeah. division kind of come out. We need to see fighters. And now John Jones, if he actually leaves after this fight against a Stipe Miocic, like, man, you couldn't be any more scared. But I love seeing Tom Aspinall. I think we'll see that against a Pavlovich. And then whoever wins that will be the heavyweight champion or fight for the belt next because that's uh, Tom Aspinall coming back after that knee injury was pretty fun to watch and seeing how he just went right back to action. And man, with the knockout, that was sick on last week's kind of free cards. 100% man that UFC London was a great card um and the early and a in tough the- loss for uh, Molly McCann too as well yeah. in the London card last week you know she's kind of had a couple tough ones but you know the hype between her and Patty Pimblett so it was tough to see her <laughs> take another L but it seems like you know she's going through a rough spot right now yeah and you know that one was unique because of the start time too right so you get that on uh mm-hmm. on free TV a little earlier in the day maybe pick up some fans it was an interesting card for sure but uh we're going to wind this one down here, Bunda. I always appreciate you making the time. And as we referenced there off the top, uh, this is my last day at the lake. So I'm going to put this one in the hopper, get it edited, get it ready to go. And then I'm going to go and have at least one more jump in the lake here before uh, head back. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see you back in the city, man. I appreciate you doing this. But yeah, I have to make up for it and bring you more beer next time for having me on again. But as always, thank you for having me and thank you for uh, you know keeping me alive this time and not having to deal with the tall can audio, uh, tall can audio uh, fans just attacking me with their pitchforks and their lanterns as I try and make my way in or out of your apartment building. The next one's back in studio, so you'll have to uh, fight through the hordes and the masses again uh, as we do that. <laughs> Dang so it. We'll wrap this one up here. Thank you so much for doing this, man. I appreciate it. I will remind the good listener on uh, Thursday morning. Morning. AJ Jack, you back. We'll be back on the podcast. We'll talk some CFL with Aaron him John. And, and uh, we'll see what else is on uh, AJ's mind. He's never shy about sharing that with us. I can also tell the good listener that coming up in the next couple of weeks, you'll hear Dean Brown back on the podcast, the voice of your Ottawa Senators. Uh, he drops in midway through each summer and and kind of gives his take on the year that was, the Scramble. year that lays ahead. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Dean Brown will be around for that. We got some other guests coming up as well that I'm not yet able to announce but uh stick around it's gonna be good and uh, of course our our regular friends our uh, our favorites like steve bunda here as well lots more to come this summer thank you so much for checking out this episode of talk and audio for steve bunda my name is matt robinson we'll see you next time the hell is that number one bullshit oh number one bullshit why are you so pissy